When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? It's Monday. You know what time it is. It's for another Real Bucks Talk live stream. And today I'm joined with a special guest. I'm pretty sure you guys know who this guy is. John Ledyard over at Pewter Report does an amazing job. And we get to get some awesome insight on this Buccaneers 31-29 victory. It shouldn't have been that close, to be honest, but it was. So we're going to break down offense, defense, special teams, which plus called the cold sore last week before the game, and it turns out to be probably the best, most executed part of the, the three phases. So, John, give me a breakdown. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. We've been trying to set this up for a couple of weeks, and finally the availability worked out. I was going to join you before the season, but I got sick. Thankfully, not COVID. I just got sick, and my voice, I was like dry. My throat would dry up, and I was like, I can't even do our podcast. I don't want to come on your show as a guest for the first time and be like, hack it everywhere and so i'm glad that hopefully i was able to get better for all the, the peter report shows to wrap up for, get better for game day last week which was fun and now i'm uh, excited to break this one down with you lots to go over for awesome and john you know what before we talk to anything what's funny is we, we had trevor sikama on like a little bit before the draft i'm sorry and, right <laughs> same <laughs> crap happened to me i couldn't speak like i was ready i was like okay let's do this I couldn't talk. I yeah. felt normal. I just couldn't yeah. talk. And I was like, let's get on. And he was saying, oh, Bucks don't need an edge rusher. They're fine. I'm like, what? What? It's like, plus you should have yelled at him. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> that was my little two cents of me not being able to talk. That's but, funny. Uh, overall, let's, let's, I guess, let's jump into the offense. Mm-hmm. For instance, everyone wants to talk Buccaneer, firepower, weapons, Tom Brady, Gronk. Everyone wants to talk that. So let's start with that. The Tom Brady, Gronkowski connection, two tutties again. Um, Gronk's looking like the Gronk of old. I mean, mm-hmm. and he starts slow like he did last year. He's he's game ready and he's pumping it already. Eight catches, ninety yards, two touchdowns. But I mean, what do you see from that that connection and? How good is this going to be throughout the season? I think it'll be good. I mean, it's always going to vary who gets the ball. You know, everybody's already freaking out about Mike Evans, and that's just ridiculous. You don't need, like, look at what they did on offense, man. They had, like, four throwaways and four drops, and, like, there was – everything else pretty much was completed. Like, this isn't an offense that was struggling the other night except when they were dropping the football. Everybody was open, and Brady was just kind of picking and choosing, and the – you know, the lots were not cast in Evans' favor this night, and they will be another night. And that's just the way that it's going to go. You know, not everybody, well, especially when you turn the ball over as much as they did, you know, not everybody's going to get the chances to have the production they could. I mean, who turns it over four times? I know one was doesn't really count, but who turns it over three real times and still has three 90-plus yard receivers? Like that, I bet that's not happened many times in NFL history, Mark. So that was crazy to see. Um, and I think, Gronk specifically, it, yes, I thought last year he looked good, but it did start a little bit slow. I thought week three on kind of he really was was fine. It was Brady who yeah. missed Gronk actually a bunch of times throughout the season. I've talked about this on, on the Peter Report podcast before too, so I apologize if people have heard it before, but 
every single receiver on the Bucks team last year, from Mike Evans to Tyler Johnson, Jaden Mickens, all those guys, they all had the best catch rate of their careers in terms of the percentage of targets that they had that were caught. It was the best of their careers. You know, you can go trace that back to the quarterbacks they played with before and how inaccurate they were compared to how accurate Brady was and make the pretty easy parallel. Even Antonio Brown, though, who played with good quarterback, like even he had the best catcher, like all these guys. The only player who didn't was Rob Gronkowski, who had played with Brady the most in the past. So I just think that's hilarious because those two were kind of, oh, they have this, they have this chemistry, they have this connection. And while that was true in some ways, it did not really manifest itself on the field last year. They really are the two that if anybody need that can turn it around and play and have a much better connection this upcoming season or this season that we're in now, I should say now. Um, it's those two because they were the ones that were they were the only pair that were really off too often really even the end of the year you remember the vikings game missed a deep shot saints game missed a couple in the playoffs you know they just couldn't yeah there was yep panthers there was a couple just missed connections all throughout the year gronk could have easily had an 850 900 yard season now and he still had a good year but it would have been a lot better if brady had hit him on a couple of those balls crazy to think about right i mean this is how we go over like weekly on i mean we're gonna get back to it guys like we used to do like a weekly uh breakdown of every game put it mm-hmm. out there and yeah it, it, we show like the missed uh opportunities and a lot of deep shots to to gronk actually running open he either he just threw it to another guy or he just didn't see him opening up late obviously those are the only two guys that weren't in this offense mm-hmm. from the year before so they were probably learning on the go so right the only good, good things to me. This is insane good things. And then MDP over here said Tom read the blitz and Gronk threw. Gronk knew the ball was coming too. So yeah, that was two checks that Gronk was saying was at the line. I guess break that down a little bit. What did you see? Like going back. Yeah, on that play on that second touchdown. So uh, they basically talk, they Cowboys cover every gap at the line of scrimmage, and Brady knows that pressure is coming. So he's just making sure. Okay, we've got everybody matched up. We've got we've got enough so that if everybody comes, if it's if it's zero, we've got enough so that we can block everybody, and I can have time to throw. You know, so there are four four receivers were out wide, and then he had the back and the tight end in to potentially protect. And so he had everybody kind of blocked up. It was going to be seven on seven. We can block it up, and I can have time. But then he said, you know what? He realized the matchups right, and he saw Demarcus Lawrence was going to be matched up on Gronk if if they brought the inside guy. So he said he had Gronk basically just check release like if that's your matchup basically just he's the furthest guy on the end, end of the line of scrimmage punch him and then release um and so gronk just executed it perfectly punched and released matchup with the defensive end that's a player as demarcus lawrence is that's not going to be an advantageous matchup for him and so that was uh one that kind of won schematically wasn't as much i mean gronk did a great job selling it setting blocking and then taking off but that one was won by the brains of both players before it even started, really. Cerebral insane. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. 21 years of experience helps with that. But also, yeah. let me bring this up. So four touchdowns, there's two interceptions. One of them was just a heave. The other one, four net. I don't know what the heck happened there. But still, to get 379 yards, four touchdowns, mm-hmm. easily could have been five, six touchdowns, if not 450 yards or more. So, oh yeah. I mean, think about the think about the way a couple drives ended. I mean, you have Godwin dropping the ball on third down at the five yard line, and then you have Godwin fumbling at the one yard line. Um, it should have been probably an un I mean, it could we're easily talking five hundred yard six five, six touchdown game for Brady. I mean, it was that kind of a night. It was honestly 
the the rest of the aspects weren't, but his performance was really pretty reminiscent of that Detroit Lions game where he was just absolutely carving. You know, ball barely hit the ground, right read almost every single play, tons of balls down the field that were right on the money, looked super comfortable in the pocket. Um, it was really kind of reminiscent of that kind of performance for him. Obviously, some of the other players' mistakes in the defense, you know, and the fact that there was much better offense on the other side than that game made the the games very dissimilar in terms of the way they turned out. But Brady's individual performance was kind of in that kind of a special zone in my mind. It's a team game, so everyone's got to work together for one common mm-hmm. goal. Obviously, defense wasn't up to par, but there's a bunch of people in the chat. There's a bunch of people watching. Guys, give us a like. Hit that like button down below. Help support the channel. We really appreciate it. But let's keep talking some some offense. Like he mentioned earlier, two other guys had over 90 yards. Those two mm-hmm. guys, who are they? Let's look at it. Antonio Brown with his amazing, huge catch near, near before halftime. And then Chris Godwin, yeah, he had his drop. He had his fumble at the goal line. So there were areas where that could have been even more insane of a game. Mm-hmm. Give me a little bit on him. I loved how they used Chris Godwin. Again, they always use motion. They use a lot of motion in this game a lot. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully they use yeah. motion. Right. And just using him, faking the run, getting out in open space, seeing who's running with him, and he, the other defender has to run through trash. Godwin right. went take that but break that how did they use uh chris godwin in your opinion well chris godwin what's so unique about him and he's obviously can play outside we've seen enough of it to know that he can he can be corners out there but he's just so dominant inside that he opens up the whole route tree right when you're vertical based offense your inside receiver is more than just a slot like a normal slot on some of these other teams that you might see you know, we think of the slot kind of, you just think about the Rams and the way they use their slots and things. There's there's some differences there between the two teams. You know, while Godwin can do that short to intermediate stuff too, and, and he does, it's beyond that kind of with him. Like he is able to stretch the field and two, two-way goes vertically, post the corners he can run, he runs verticals, like he can do everything. So you're defending already like a two-way go every time you're in the slot as you're a defensive back, then you're defending a guy who can legitimately run every route with strength and speed um, and finish in if the window's tight down the field. It's just, it's really hard. There's not like a whole easy way to win against Chris Godwin because he really doesn't have a weakness. There's not a negative aspect of his game. He's just one of the most well-rounded balanced players in the league. You know, the one concern with Godwin at this point, you, people are going to bring up drops. It, I'm not buying into it just yet because I mean, he had, this guy had six drops in his first 58 career games. That's just, I don't think that goes away because in his last five, he's had nine drops. You know, if you go back to the playoffs last year, obviously five in that Washington game, two more, you know, throughout the rest of the, I think one against the Saints and one against the Packers maybe. But I mean, he, so it was kind of an issue for him in the playoffs a little bit. He also obviously made some great plays in the playoffs, especially that Packers game. He was outstanding. Um, So, I mean, he hasn't stopped being outstanding. He is dropping the ball a little bit more to the other night and, um, it, it's uncharacteristic for him, especially that deep ball. I know it was a little bit of a tricky track because he had to kind of switch and come back over the other shoulder to catch it, which is a little bit tricky, but he had space to do it. And he had time to find it, and it looked like he had and just couldn't finish it. For him, those are just usually balls he catches. Um, but Chris Godwin is a monster. <laughs> like we just we don't need to act concerned about him because it's a drop. You know, when drops tend to live in our heads a lot as fans, you know, they can be uh they can be really they could pull us away from the rest of the performance. And then you look up and, oh, nine catches. And, oh, by the way, at 55 yards after the catch, and he forced four missed tackles in this game. And he was 
He looked like 2019 Chris Godwin with the ball in his hands. Last year, I felt like just the offense and the disjointedness at times and his injuries, it wasn't quite as much of a factor in space as he had been the year before where he was arguably one of the best receivers in the league with the ball in his hands. Now I think he can... I think Godwin can get back to that type of player where with the ball in his hands, he's really dangerous, really dynamic, really strong, breaks tackles. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, this was a really encouraging start for him. I think it's encouraging for fantasy owners because obviously all the targets that he had, you know, he commanded a lot of Tom Brady's attention. Uh, the volume is going to be there. He's not going to drop all those passes. You'll get the big plays. you get the yak plays. you get the short yardage plays and just the easy catches. And he's going to do a lot for this offense, just stay healthy all 16 or 17 games, and he's going to have a huge payday this offseason. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's another contract year, even though he's got that tag. Like you mentioned, 14 targets, unreal. I think Tom Brady trusts him and that he will catch the ball, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And just like you mentioned, clearly he does everything. He can go deep, he can meet you underneath. He get, He's literally going to be the guy who can block, set things up for later down this in the, in the game. Mm-hmm. All well-rounded player. I love him. Uh, and then AB's big catch before halftime. Another guy's just got a connection with Brady. Yeah, um, he he's unbelievable because if – and obviously, I, well, I covered the Steelers before this. I know people get tired of me saying this, but I, I've so I've been around AB for a while, and I've I've seen his game. I've studied, you know, most of his games of his career, uh, and what he's probably, I mean, obviously he's good at everything. It's again, he's kind of like Godwin in that way, except for he doesn't block. But everything else, like that, you, I mean, he really has just never been bad at any of that stuff. So he can do everything, which makes him really dangerous. But he is just incredible when plays break down. Like he just. Like late in plays, he has just always been amazing because he never stops moving. He never stops working. And he's already a great separator and route runner. So if plays get extended, like you saw in that first buck scoring drive when Brady kind of didn't know where to go with the ball and he kind of he ran the slant and he was like the last read. He wasn't really in the progression, I don't think. And then he saw Brady kind of like not being able to find anybody and wasn't really in trouble in the pocket, but shifting and looking in his eyes. He just reads that stuff and reacts and he finds space. Like He just knows where space are. He understands the structure of the defense so well. And he got vertical, boom, makes it over the shoulder catch, and they're off and running. And that was kind of the generator for them, right? Like that was right after the, the unbelievable throw to Gronk uh, over the middle of the field sure. and the tight win in the shoebox throw. And so AB kind of got it going after that. And then it was really kind of more the same. Like he's, he's so good. At, he just kind of knows where everything is on the field. Some guys just have unreal spatial awareness and unreal awareness of other players on the field and AB like never takes big hits. Cause he just knows where people are. He knows when to get down. You know, it's just always kind of been the same story with him. Like he makes a catch and he can already make the first guy miss without even getting his eyes around. Cause he feels him. He just knows where he is. He's just one of the most instinctive players I've ever watched. Um, you know, we saw it on the middle of the field. He, you know, he had what the right on the same drive that bucks first buck scoring drive. He catches the comeback on the sideline, makes the first guy miss, you know, it's five more yards. We saw this in the preseason against the Texans. He catches the little, it's the little um, stop route, and then he you know makes first guy miss and lunges forward, and it's just four, four yards. It's four more yards than than Mike Evans probably got in that situation, or then you know Scotty Miller gets in that situation. To use a better example. That's just what he brings you. He gets you all those hidden yards because he's such a quick. There's just no wasted movement. There's no wasted time. Nothing in his game has anything extra. It's just all football instinct and natural ability all the time, and. So he just is incredible to watch, to, in my opinion. Like I just think he's the most fun player 
when he's like fully healthy and knows what's going on, which now he seems to to do. So it is going to be fascinating to see like where all this goes, right? Because he what he he didn't even have that many targets in this game, and he was just a monster. I mean, obviously a lot of big plays last year. He was kind of just a quick hit guy because he didn't really know the full offense probably for a while, and then he got this. Then Scotty was running way playing way more. Dow Johnson. Now you saw in this game it was Evans, Godwin, and AB. A lot of the game, Mark. I mean, they played a ton of snaps. I think Godwin was almost all but one snap. Evans all but four. AB dominated the third wide receiver reps. Uh, and I think if the Bucks are smart, as good as their depth is, I would absolutely ride those three guys, uh, especially early in games and you see what happens late. But they should be in a position to be able to rest them late in some of the games with some of these matchups they have this season if they can take care of business early on. And they should. I mean, let's be honest. They, I mean, I know there's some, some people are more concerned with how the Rams, how good the Rams looked and everything, but one game at a time. I mean, the game in front of us, we should win easily just based off of what they're going through. But mm-hmm. I mean, like, like you mentioned over here, let me bring up the, the snap count. Sky Miller had eight, 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 eight reps on offense. Yeah. Yeah. Ronald Jones, six after the fumble. OJ, six. I know you asked uh, BA that after the games. We'll get on that later. But mm-hmm. AB, Another thing, why he's so crazy, he's only 5'10", 185. This isn't yeah. like a freak 6'4", 220, can run through you, run over you. No, he just does everything right. Mm, Makes yeah. little, little moves. Strength. Jabs, right? Like, yeah. rides a hip, jolts out. Like you said, lightning in a bottle, bottle mm. kind of ability. And it's it's insane. He just does all the little things right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's, he's very strong, too. Like, you, you cannot press him, really, like – Everybody early in his career when he started like dominating, everybody's like, all right, we'll just press him. Like, we, you know, that's what we'll do. And it just, that was even worse. You know, then he would beat you vertically all the time. You know, he can break you off if you play off of him, though. So that's everybody was tired of that. And they were like, we're tired of him. He breaks us off on all these routes. We can't stick with that. You know, we, he, he's too quick when he gets the ball in his hands. So we're just going to press him and not give him any space. Well, he just takes the space or he makes tight catches down the field. You know, everybody with the, oh, he's not that fast. He's not that big. This is how you beat him. This is his weakness. And it was just never the case. Like it, he just adjusted his game and just started beating everybody at the line of scrimmage or beating everybody at the top of the route. You know, that's, that's his other big thing. He's so physical and so aggressive at the top of the route. You just can't fall asleep at all. You know, we saw Anthony Brown get torched on the touchdown, and obviously he was expecting safety up on that play. But even then, like he just got lulled to sleep, and AB's like all of a sudden nudging him off, and you know that's it's it's just hard to right. It's subtle. It's and he almost never gets called for OPI because it's so subtle his hand usage. He keeps his hands low and just these quick jabs, and you can barely catch him. And uh, he's just one of the most nuanced players that any position that I've ever watched. And if and I said this in the off season and I think Bucks fans, it's hard for them to wrap their minds around somebody being, and I get it. Evans and Godwin are just like this amazing yeah. tier. I think it's hard for them to be like, Oh yeah. Like there's going to be another guy. That's probably like, if he's healthy, if he's hundred percent, he might be better than both these guys. <laughs> like That's hard to like imagine, but that's to me, when, when you watch him, you watch him in training camp, you watch him preseason, you watch him in that game. I just feel like this is, I don't really see a difference from the guy in Pittsburgh. I know that's kind of crazy because he's 33 and hasn't done a lot the last two years, but I just have to call what I see and I just see the same player. Dude dealt with frostbite too. Damn near ripped off yeah. his whole thing about this, guys. But a lot I mean, of stuff going on for him. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Like, I, it's, just be happy he's on the team. And obviously Brady knows talent and he wanted this guy on the team, pounding the tape for him. BA was saying, no, no, we're not going to get him. Yeah. Well, guess who's on the team right now? Right. Uh, 
but before we move on from the offense, we got to talk about like it's the elephant in the room, the running game and the lack thereof. Not to mention what the running backs did. So Rojo with the fumble, like I showed, only the six carries. And then supposedly with his four carries for 14 yards, BA said he was looking good. I, I don't maybe. Uh yeah. and then Fournette, nine carries, 32 yards, 3.6 yards per average. And then he had the one mishap where he just pops the ball in the air and interception goes to Brady's numbers, but really should have been a cop ball. So running backs, yeah. running game. I know it's an aerial attack. I mean, we're, it looks good doing it. Why even stop it if it's working? So yeah. What do you think uh, of the game? Well, I'm going to give some credit where credit's due. Demarcus Lawrence is unbelievable, and he made the run game really hard for them. Because the Bucks, they asked their tight ends to do a lot of blocking in the end man in the line of scrimmage, and that just simply Gronk, OJ, didn't matter who it was. They could not hold Lawrence at all. I mean, Tristan Wirfs got thrown around by by Demarcus yeah. Lawrence. I haven't seen that happen in Tristan, Lor- Tr- Tristan Wirfs' career. So Lawrence is a beast, and he made everything really hard for Tampa Bay. Um, they don't really run outside, so they don't really have a lot of – built-in, reliable scheme moves to be able to deal with a guy like that. They tried to at the end, or uh, not the end, but like when, you know, they were, when they were still running the ball, but they barely even ran it in the second half, which is fine, you know, (laughs) but uh, we'll get to that in a second. But they tried to like, just leave the last guy in the line of scrimmage, like hinge and get in Lawrence's way. And he still beat those blocks, like just get it his way. And like, we'll run in between, we'll run in that B gap. And they just, that didn't matter. So he is really, really freaking good, and I think that a lot of people look at his sack numbers and think, ah, oh, he's just another guy, but I don't know what's going on with the sack numbers completely. I know they get to focus on him a lot because he's like by far the best player on that defense, not even close, um, but he is a really, really good player, so he made life hard. The other thing is that the bat, you know, here's the deal with the Bucks: like they would be a better rushing offense everybody wants to blame their offensive line and be like, Oh, they're not good in the run game. Like that's, I don't think that that's true. I'm not saying they're perfect or the best in the league in the run game. I don't think any of the players on their offensive line have a deficiency in the run game. All of those guys can block in the run game. You know, I'm watching this Baltimore game tonight. I'm like watching Alejandro Villanueva and I watched him for years in Pittsburgh and I'm like, all right, he's, he's a fine pass protector on the left side or he has been in Pittsburgh, but he could just never was a good run blocker. Like, and a lot of guys in the league are like that. They're like great at one thing or they're just like, okay in the run game or they're bad in the run. I don't think that's I think every guy in Tampa Bay offensive line can pass protect and can run block. That's not an issue to me. The biggest issues for Tampa Bay are the fact that their scheme relies a lot on tight ends and wide receivers as blockers. That's just tough to live that way because you're always, those guys are always in the formation. They're always blocking. They're always part of the equation. Run blocking is like math. Like it's just variables, right? Like how many variables do you have to eliminate to have a successful run? If your running back's not dynamic and the Bucs have not invested in the position that way or, or gotten that kind of production out of the position, then it's all about the scheme. And, and that so the Bucs are basically in that position where their run game will never be good until it's all about the scheme, until this is the focus of the scheme. Their not run game will never be consistently dominant until it's all about the scheme and what they do with the scheme. Because the running backs themselves – Leonard Fournette, very ordinary back across the, just a league average type of player as a running back. Ronald Jones is better than that, but he can never stay on the field. We, we don't need to keep harping on it. It's just not going to happen. Like he'll, he might last four, five more games before he makes his next mistake. And then it's going to be the same scenario we saw in week one all over again. This is what's happened all throughout his four years in the NFL. So you have that situation. You just don't have a great back on this team. So that's fine. You can, they just want a Super Bowl. They could win another one with that. You know, lots of teams do that. But the schemes, 
got to be better if you want to be more efficient running the football. That means if you don't have a great back, take variables out of the equation to make life easier for them, make reads easier for them, make less defenders there. That's all. That's what you have to do. You have to just simplify everything for them. Right now, when they go 12 personnel, A, their number two tight end can't block. They bring Chris Godwin in a lot of the time. That's fine, whatever. But like the reality is that Chris Godwin is a good blocking wide receiver, but that's going to work when you're out on the perimeter. Chris Godwin's not going to fit up in the hole and take out a linebacker as often as you know, everybody will, you know, spam the Twitter on the one time that he does it on the no, season. I, but consistently. <laughs> yeah, the majority of the time that's just not going to happen. Like, and he's not it's yeah, there's just there's too many variables in the run game right now for them to be consistently successful. They could rip a run when somebody misfits something like in the Panthers game, but o- overall this probably is not going to be like a highly efficient run game until some things change schematically because they just don't have great backs. I mean, the Cowboys are about as weak as it gets up the middle and they got dented in all night, but guys on the edges made plays because the tight ends couldn't block because Lawrence was a beast because uh, there's too many variables in the equation. I mean, Leonard Fournette missed the hole on the first carry of the game, I think could have been a, at least a better game than it was. Um, and so you have that too. You know, the backs have missed a whole Fournette especially will miss, will misread things. Um, and so, yeah, there's yards left on the field by backs, and the scheme isn't great, and the tight ends don't block as well as you'd hope. Gronk's okay, but um, he's better in pass protection. OJ isn't a great run blocker, and Cam Brate's never been a great run blocker. And so you, it's really everything but the actual talent of the offensive lineman, in my opinion. Like, they're fine. Everything else, I think, needs to get better, basically, for them to be a better rushing team. And, and guess what? If they aren't, Mark, I don't really care. That's fine because their passing game is so good and the passing game is not relying on the run game to be good. And we learned that last year and saw it over and over again firsthand. And we've learned it with almost every Super Bowl champ that in the last couple of years, it's not a big deal. They can, they can overcome it if they're just like, okay, in the run game. Yeah. I mean, to sum it up for me, like the argument of who's running back one, two, doesn't matter. I mean, they're still going to get their opportunities. Like you said, Rojo just can't catch the ball or he's making mistakes where he's getting yanked off the field. So maybe the better runner, but if you can't consistently stay on the field, right, then you're not the better runner. So it's yeah. it's catch 22 and plus would be yelling at me if I didn't bring this up. He fully agrees with you. They don't invest much in the running back position. It's not hard to get a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. They're all over the league. Why can't you just find a guy that can do a little bit of everything? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, and also running out of shotgun, running out mm-hmm. of Clear it out, like you said, make it an mm-hmm. easy read for the, for the running back. So, and we don't do that enough, in my opinion. Right. I think with the duo run scheme, too, a run scheme, and they, they, they did outside zone the other night. They did inside zone. They'll do split zone. They do some other stuff. You know, I have, they, they did look a little more versatile as a scheme last night than I'd seen. But yeah, I think you're right. When you're still primarily duo based run scheme, so you're still doubling up guys and working to the linebackers. Crease is open for a sliver of time and the timing is everything. It's hard for offensive linemen because you have to really displace the D tackles to before you climb. And if the linebackers are coming downhill fast, like Micah Parsons was last night, that makes it hard too. Now it crushed Parsons a few times because they got him on play action a bunch too. So it's a catch 22 to it. You know, when you play linebackers that are firing all the time, just don't run it as much if you're a scheme like the bucks, they didn't, I thought Leftwich adjusted to that perfectly. Um, and they threw the ball over their heads all night for, for really for some, some of their biggest plays, especially in the first half. So they did a great job, not beating a dead horse when the cow. But it makes it hard because there's not a lot of time in the bucks. Don't have, I wouldn't say that Leonard Fournette obviously is not very explosive. And then Ronald Jones, 
he is, but again, if he can't stay on the field consistently, you know, then it's, it becomes a struggle. If we were talking about Ronald Jones, reliable player, three down back with the same skill set, just without all the mistakes, the mental mistakes and the, and the confidence issues when he makes those mistakes, we probably would be talking about a guy. I mean, he almost got to a thousand yards last year and he wasn't even really, you know, that heavily utilized. And so I think he could be that kind of a rusher still. And they could be like a, you know, 20th ranked run game or something like that. Like, I think that could happen, but the problem is if they don't have a back like that on the field, then it's okay. You know, how explosive can we get to that next level? You know, can we get through those double teams, round those double teams? You know, you've got guys coming off blocks at the line of scrimmage because one guy's leaving, right? Okay, so the guard tackle are doubling and one's climbing, and then you've got one guy coming off because he's climbing to the linebacker. And well, now that D tackle is going to try to get a hand in there, and the back should already be coming through there. And the backs, if the back doesn't hit it with speed, that guy might grab him and slow him down, and then they can gang tackle him. Things happen that quick in the run game. I mean, explosiveness is one of the most important traits for a back. That's why I've said I'd really like to see more of Giovanni Bernard carrying the ball because he's at least quick. You know, he, he's not going to break this on of tackles, but if he gets through there quick, he might be able to beat an arm tackle as it comes across. He might be able to beat a guy to the gap, and I think that's one of the most important traits for a scheme like this, and they just haven't really found a back that can stay on the field that has that trait. I heard that was your question you asked during the, <laughs> after I the first, first I was like, oh, yeah, I know why he's doing that. Yeah, Bruce did not think that was a good question, apparently. He, I, did not, he did not think that was worthy of being asked, despite the fact that he said that their their pass catching out of their backs was, what what do you say, average at best, and that they dropped a pass for a touchdown or for an interception. And I was like, well, I mean, okay, there's a problem here, and you don't want to play the solution very more uh, anymore. That's interesting to me at least but we got a great story out of it i think a lot of people did i know it got a lot of reaction on our site for people commenting i don't think arians realizes that but yeah it's a it's an issue i mean i would just play a more now is he going to be is giovanni bernard going to be the solution to everything for the bucks running game no for sure but to me the other guys aren't talented enough like they aren't like oh head and shoulders better as a runner like to where bernard shouldn't play Fortnite has no burst the first five yeah, yards nothing it's terrible yeah right. everyone thinks lsu uh, Fournette, where he's running, but that was when he had a whole head of steam of 20 yards, where the mm-hmm. gap was about 12 feet wide. And he's running yeah. full speed through it, and then a linebacker comes up after 10 yards. I mean, right. come on, I mean, and this I, isn't I, you I think back. it's I think it's the first carry of the game when you get a chance to see the all 22 watch. The first carry of the game, I think, Fournette gets the handoff, has the gap, like it's there for him right off the double team, just hit it right away. The safety is, yes, filling from deep. He's going to get hit at like five yards or he's going to have an opportunity to make a guy miss at like five yards. But the linebackers are out. I won't get too technical. Linebackers are out of there. They're not – if they make a play, it's going to be running across. They're going to try and hit him from the side. It's You don't have to – like that's what you want as a running back. You want those opportunities for guys that are trying to attack you from the side or from behind. And if it's a safety, head on. Like you want to be able to take that guy on. And Fournette stops his feet and cuts back into the linebackers because he won't go through the hole and take on the safety. And it's the same issue all last year. And people always are like, you're a hater with Fournette. You're, you know, with me. And I just, I'm not a hater for anybody. I just want a big back to run somebody over. Makes that's if you can't and you don't want to run over safety in the hole or make a safety miss in the hole, then I just don't want you to touch the football as a running back. Like that's those are is exactly what you were this play was schemed up to do. And you can give credit to that safety for filling fast from depth. That's his job, but your job is to go through the hole that the line created and make the guy that's unaccounted for miss. And he 
won't do it. And he didn't do it last year. And I just don't know that that's ever going to change for him. And they obviously don't feel the same way in Tampa Bay because they keep giving him opportunities or Rojo keeps making them give him opportunities because I don't think he that's, has the confidence. You know, that that's a big part of it too. That's your answer right there. It's just Rojo not being able to stay on the field. Because, yeah. And then someone said he took himself out of the game. No, no, yeah. player take, come on. That's I mean, hard because Rojo might have, uh, honestly. You know, he, he has talked openly about it. Coaches have talked openly about it. I wouldn't say he took himself out of the game, but I would say he could very easily have expressed on the sideline emotion that made it easy for coaches to say, we know this kid, we've worked with him for years. He's just not mentally in a place where like he's over what his, his mistake and he could hurt the team being in that position. That's the more likely scenario. I don't think he like vocalized, like, I don't want to go back in. I think it's more like they could see on the sideline he was affected by the mistake and back in that situation it could jeopardize the team further. And uh, that obviously that, you know, it only takes one of those plays to end up with an L. So it, there's layers to it with Rojo. He's a complicated player to coach. I think from based on everything he's even said and position coaches have said. And um, so there's some layers to it, but yeah, it's hard to know from a distance how, you know, if that situation with him could be handled better or not. That's actually kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a human element to this that's hard for us from our viewpoint to totally understand. I appreciate that Rojo's been really transparent in the past about that, and coaches have been too. I mean, look at the situation with Fournette even last year. You know, that was another one. Trans Fournette's been very transparent since it happened about like how he almost got cut and his attitude, and you know that. And I feel for him for honestly. I mean, I remember his freshman year at LSU. People were like. It's a sin this guy has to wait to go to the NFL. He'd be the best back in the league right now. And that's the kind of stuff that was being said about him. And then you get to the NFL and you're getting cut on your rookie contract as a top five pick. And so anyway, that human element to it really matters and how you coach guys through that. I mean, Fournette was a healthy scratch. And then obviously it ended up being the right move for him. So they handle that situation great. And it's hard to know whether they're handling Roger great or not. They obviously have, have said all the right things to the media. They've praised him up and down. They've been very vocally supportive of him over the years. They put him back in the Panthers game, and he actually played well that, in that game last year after he made a mistake. And, um, you know, so they've tried everything with him. That's the for sure. They, I mean, you can't look at the, the evidence and say they haven't tried everything with him. It's just the fact that, that, you know, he continues to kind of make some of those. Now, I will say this, like his fumble wasn't as big a deal as Fournette's drop for the pick. I mean, that that drop was an uncontested, easy catch. Like that was just a simple, you know what I mean? DeMarcus Lawrence punched the ball out of out of uh out of Rojo's hands after tossing Tristan Wirfs. I mean, that was a grown man play. And yes, Jones held it a little loose, but that to me was not as egregious as Fournette's play. So it wasn't that he made the mistake and they were like, Oh, I'm gonna be harder on Rojo than Fournette. It was the way both players responded. You know, Fournette was ready to go mentally and respond as a mistake and did. And Rojo, they did not feel that way about. And based on history, it's hard to fault them based on everything we know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still one game, guys. So it's yeah. not right. It all be, he, yeah, he's going to get opportunities in the next game. No question about it. Oh, yeah. He's still yeah. clearly the better runner, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and a lot of other fans' opinions. But yep. let's go. Let's move on over to the defense now. So defensively, yeah, we still allow 29 points. Dak had. I mean, I've got to give credit to Dak. Dak had one hell of a day. I mean, coming coming back from injury, everyone's saying about his shoulder as well, like, oh, he's not going to be able to throw as well. There was pressure in his face almost on every damn throw, and he still made some elite throws and making great reads quickly. Yes, they 
took advantage of Jamel Dean on a lot of occasion. Uh, they even had to move Carlton Davis over on the second half of the season or season, second half of the game to mm-hmm. kind of cover that side. Maybe they're thinking it's too quick. He's just throwing to that side. But Dak deserves some credit for that. The Bucks defense did what they do per usual, stopping the run. Zeke wasn't involved at all because of that. So they got him one dimensional, just Dak tore us up because of that limited area and then smb goes down with injury so there's a lot to talk about that front seven still does what it does elite nasty the pressure got there it's just good quarterback play but what'd yeah. you think of cowboys offense versus our defense yeah i'm glad you pointed that out about the front seven i think people were like oh man the bucks just aren't getting any pass rush and the cowboys did everything they could up front right like they tried one-on-one and, and they were okay enough like they didn't get beat clean enough to destroy the integrity of what they were doing, but they got beat all night. You know, that this right. was, you know, th- I mean, obviously Tyron Smith is, you know, good player. Even at the end, he cracked a little bit, you know, JPP got him on one to force a hold. That was a huge moment in the game. Um, I, I, I don't think that the Cowboys offensive line really won that game. How some people were kind of, or um, and won that, that matchup for them, how some people were kind of painting that to be. I felt like, what happened was Kellen Moore just had unbelievable scheme. Todd Bowles was going after Dak Prescott. He's going after that young interior offensive line. That was his whole scheme, make him communicate through everything. Not a bad idea, to be honest. I don't even, now that I've had time to sit and reflect, I, I don't even totally discredit Bowles for that. I mean, it was probably a good plan, right? I mean, Prescott coming off injury. It's just, it was probably a good plan. But when you get punched back like Kellen Moore did, lots of short passes, tons of play action tons of RPO, tons of max protect. It's time to adjust some things. I disagree with the way he came out. You know, I mean, the first snap of the game, he's playing with one safety on the field. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> that's aggressive, man. It was six defensive linemen against a five wide empty for Dallas. Uh, it was, you know, and they still could have everything covered if Sean Murphy Bunton did his job, but that's, we'll talk about him in a second maybe. But yeah, he, I felt like he was just, he really thought the Cowboys were going to run it, which like early on in the game, which just blew my mind. Like Dallas is not that dumb, right? Like Kellen Moore has been one of the most pass happy OCs in the league. Like and Mike McCarthy basically didn't even run the ball in Green Bay. Like everybody knows how where he's coming from. It's just funny to me that they really felt like they were going to try and pound it with Zeke against a team that had scored 30 plus points in seven straight games and going into that game and had this juggernaut of an offense and they thought the Cowboys were going to come out there and be conservative. It's just silly to me. Like I, I just never thought that was going to happen. And obviously it didn't happen. And, and so they adjusted kind of as the game went on, but again, the short passes were still there and they really yeah. wanted to make Dallas beat him in the red zone. And that's kind of how bulls defense works. Anyway. Uh, he doesn't feel like you can consistently string enough together enough, 10, 12 play drives to be able to beat him. So they didn't give up a lot of, of big throws or dip deep balls down the field. They did give up two for touchdowns, though that really hurt them. But obviously, when you're one for four in the red zone as a defense, you're probably going to take that. Or as an, or when the Cowboys are one for four in the red zone as an offense against the Bucks defense, you'll probably take that. And that's kind of the story of the game there was their ability to hold up there. Obviously, some missed field goals, but keeping them out of the end zone uh, was really critical, I felt like. So they didn't dominate the game the way you hope they would Sean Murphy bunting injury and Sean Murphy bunting's play before the injury was something that they had to overcome Jamel Dean's play after that was something they had to overcome 
Ross Cockrell was his worst game as a buck, even though he yeah. was in the right places. He just, the limitations physically and athletically were exposed against a group that good, right? Like he's going to probably give up touchdowns to Amari Cooper. Like that's just, you're going to, when you get the top 10, 15 guys on Ross Cockrell, you know, it's just probably going to be at a disadvantage. That's just reality. Uh, it's not his fault. It's just who he is. You know, don't ask him to do too much. Um, it's so, yeah, there were some things to take away there that were negatives, but the big positives to me were Vita Vale, Levante David, Carlton Davis. I thought all three of those guys were studs. That really matters. There's problems with CB2 and maybe it's CB3, depending on the matchup. They have some things to work on for sure. How aggressive are they going to be as a pass rush group when you have four rushers like they have, you know, the four rushers that they can present? Do you need all this extra stuff um, for every matchup? We'll see. Um, but there are definitely question marks, but there were enough good things that I'm not worried yet. Let's put it that way. I mean, so the big takeaway I saw was, yeah, I already said it, elite front seven, but mm -hmm. things that we saw last year during our losses. So Chicago Bears game, they kind of exploited it left and right. Saints did it nonstop, but they've known this for, for years. The short passing game, like you said, they were planning on, oh, guys can't do 10 to 12 plays consistently mm -hmm. to be down the field. But usually that's what's happening. They're using, oh, they got try on Anthony Nelson out there, just dropping back into coverage. Mm -hmm. Trust my running back or short wide receiver route to pick up five or six and make that big defensive end linebacker miss in open mm -hmm. space. And that's what they kind of did. Right. I mean, and yes, every team had all offseason to look and see what do the Bucks suck at on defense because mm -hmm. they tore up Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Why, why the hell did that happen? Because Pat Mahomes was looking deep all the damn time. If mm -hmm. they would have scored against us, it would have been a probably way different game. And then the, yeah. the, just the, what's it called? The quicksand would have ha wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But I mean, quick, quick games like the Rams game, the bears game, that, that's what sucked. That's what sucked for the right. Bucks. So I hope they can understand that, fix it, clean it up. Don't rely. I mean, it's part of their game though. They have mm -hmm. all these outside linebackers that can blitz, that can get after the passer. You're yeah. asking them to drop back into coverage. So that's part yeah. of the area they need to clean it up in my opinion. Yeah, it is part of the way Bulls just calls defense. I've just tried to try to adjust my expectations. You know, he is not a fight for every square, you know, inch type of defensive coordinator. You know, he is he is a we're going to make a splash play either in a sack or or force you into a mistake with pressure, or yeah. we're going to make a play on the back end on the ball, and that's and we're going to win enough. We're going to win enough that way to keep you out of the end zone, make kick field goals, uh, make you turn the ball over, give up. You're going to give up a couple possessions. And that's how we're going to win games. And that's the way he calls defense. And, you know, in some ways it's aggressive. In some ways it's conservative, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Um, I think that he's had obviously some great game plans in, in certain situations in the playoffs. He changed so much of what he did. Um, right. My biggest thing, I just want to play. I, I would say that I just want him to play more too high coverages and dare teams to beat him running the football because if teams try to beat the Bucs running the football, they're not going to be successful enough. And the Bucs offense is so good that they're going to score too many points. It's not going to work for another team. Like you, the only formula for beating the Bucs is to be is, is either they beat themselves. If they don't beat themselves. The only formula for beating them is to be as aggressive through the air as Dallas was. And and they almost did it really because of that. Um now, Tampa Bay also almost beat themselves a bunch of times, and you probably need a little bit better of a defense than Dallas on most days to, to pull it off. But that's the formula, in my opinion, is to is to be that aggressive through the air. So it was a great plan by Dallas. The scheme was great. They executed really well for the most part. 
the kicker missed some kicks. That was frustrating, I'm sure, for them. You could look at Tampa Bay side of things and say, well, they had dudes dropping the ball and fumbling the ball away and you know, dropping the ball for picks. And so there were plenty of self-inflicted stuff to go around. But I thought it was a great game plan by Dallas. I think they're going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL this season if they can stay healthy. That's already been an adventure for them. But um, it was a great test early on for the Bucs. Don't think the Falcons will be as good a test in week two. We'll see. But um, I thought the Cowboys were presented a lot of challenges for sure. And like you said, Cockrell covering these wide receivers. I mean, you have Mari Cooper and Lamb. Both could be potentially number ones in any team. Yeah, right. Gallup only got hurt, but still, he's pretty damn high up there. And his deep game mm. is insane. So that was a, a tough competition to go up against. And it just showed one area, one side of the field is pretty good with Davis. The other side. Question marks, but I mean, you know, give them some help over top, especially when that's happening. Like you said, with mm-hmm. two high safeties, I I just don't see Bowles doing it. He only did that, left it in for the for the, the couple games in the NFC Championship and Super Bowl. Yeah, that's about it. But you know, the the CB two conversation is a very real question mark. Like there really are no other question marks in, in terms of like, is this player good or is this can this player start on the whole box team? You know other than running back, I guess, if you want to say that. But um, other than that, it's – I mean, it's really CB2. Like, I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting, it's just – I don't know. We're getting into crunch time, man. I know he's hurt now, and I hope he's – hopefully he's back, you know, soon. But he was just so bad before the injury. I mean, like, just every single play was wrong. Like, it's just – and that's how it was last year in the regular season, too. It's just hard to – it's hard to go to bat, and I, it's hard for me because I really like I like Sean Murphy running in college. I think he's one of my favorite people on the Bucks. I I love him when he talks. Like he just he's just he's smart. He's charismatic. He's passionate. He's big. He's athletic. He's clearly got ball skills. He's made plays before. It just ain't firing on every rep. Like there's just a lot left to be desired on every rep. It's just hard to justify that guy being your CB2 when he makes the kind of mistakes that he makes. And the playoffs were great last year, and he definitely stepped it up some. I mean, he got beat some too, but he definitely stepped it up some. And this is supposed to be the start of the big year, right? He was hurt all last year, he said, and that affected him a lot. And okay, all right, I'm willing to give him some grace, and we'll see now. And he just, I mean, what? It's, it's, it's five catches on eight targets for 77 yards, touchdown, and what they threw the 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 big play he should have given up was the pass that was behind CD Lamb and ended up being it wasn't really a drop but it was kind of a, it was a misfire by Dak but that was on the Cowboys uh, first or first drive of the game yeah they should have scored on that first drive of the game because he I mean he he gave up that that out route to CD Lamb that deep out um, and his technique was just terrible on that play I mean so even when he wasn't even when it wasn't in the box score he was getting beat. Um, it's just hard to be encouraged by his level of play. And I think he come back and maybe, you know, he turns it around again and he's been kind of an up and down player. So, you know, maybe he has another run like the playoffs at the right time. But then is Jamel Dean the answer? I mean, he's another one that just, man, talk about hot and cold. We just, There just has not been a solution there for the Bucs uh, at that CB2 spot. Obviously, they pieced it together for the Super Bowl, but it bleeds over then into CB3. And it's a really important position to be deep at. They just really need John Murphy Bunting to get healthy and play a lot better and Jamel Dean to play a lot better. And if those guys, you know, can play like they played in the playoffs, then they'll they'll win a lot and they'll probably be the best team in the NFL. If they don't, that'll be the biggest thing that holds them back is that they just didn't have the DBs. Cause at the end of the day, you gotta have DBs in today's NFL. It's like quarterback and, and O-line and DBs. I think you just need those things, or you gotta have a great scheme. And so we'll see if they got it, you know, when those guys when SMB gets back and 
know, hopefully Dean can play a lot better than he played in this game. Um, I don't think it's ever going to be consistent with Dean. In my opinion, he's just that, he, the type of player he is what he is, I think, at this point. Uh, but hopefully you can capitalize on enough positive moments to for it to matter for the defense. I mean, when I look at yeah, you know, looking at SMB and Dean, SMB he has all the athletic traits. Yeah, I just don't know. Some sometimes like he's total opposite of Dean. Dean's big, like north and south. He's really good. He can mm-hmm. go forward and back pretty good. It's just when you get make him go east and west, he he's too high, tight hipped. He doesn't really shift well. He looks kind of goofy. Look at his legs at times. You're like mm-hmm. the hell, but he can run like a gazelle, like deep, but. That's not the position. You got to be able to move everywhere. And then he yeah. can't play inside. He can't play nickel at all. I don't want him there. Right. right. And that's why he, he was terrible as a rookie season. They tried him there against Seattle and Seattle lit him up. Yeah. So SMB, he does better there. He can actually blitz. He can drop back into coverage. Mm-hmm. He can do everything else, but they asked him to do too much at times, I think. Yeah. So I think he just figure out the hell he's good at and consistently do it. That's, Dean, I just, yeah. Yeah. That's another hard thing for Sean Murphy Bunting is that they ask him to play inside and outside, and I'm not sure he's ever really been an inside player. You know, I don't know if he's this lot um, at all. You know, so he's obviously better there than anybody else they got though. So that's kind of where they're at now. But this will open up the interesting conversation of can the Bucks get three safeties on the field? To me, that's like the most the thing that makes the most sense, and I'll write about that in Bucks briefing on Wednesday. But I I wonder if there's a path to getting. Mike Edwards, Antoine Winfield, and Jordan Whitehead on the field more often together this season. Sure. But they're going to have to find out if Mike Edwards and Antoine Winfield can play in the slot. And they say that they can and they train him there. But, you know, we haven't really seen a ton of it in a game from either of those guys yet. So they got to be able to figure that out if they want to put all three of them on the field together. They are clearly three of their better defensive backs, three of their four best defensive backs. Um, and so you got to try it. And then maybe you could just keep Sean Murphy bunting outside and maybe you could simplify things for him. And with that scheme, he could play a lot better and you could use your smarter, more versatile players like Winfield or Edwards in the slot. I don't know if it's going to happen at this point. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll see if Dean really struggles and, and Murphy bunting's out a while. Maybe they have no other choice and maybe they end up figuring out something that, that works or makes sense for them. Because of it, uh, there's still going to be growing pains. There's no perfect solution to it right now. Um, you know, again, maybe they could piece, maybe Murphy Bunny comes back and he really, you know, he does take off. And it was just a one bad game. It's happened to Carlton. I mean, Carlton said it happened. So, but the thing with Murphy Bunting that gets me is that it's not just its technique and its mental mistakes. And for a guy that's as smart as he is, that is hard for me to like understand why that happens. Like, why on the first play of the game are you biting up on a curl? when you should be in your deep third and Antoine Winfield's reaming you out on the first play of the game, because you're giving up a 30 yard pass to get Dallas out from under its own end zone, because you're not in your area and you're not doing your job. And Winfield's going to come all the way over to save it. would have been a 99 yard touchdown on the first play of the game. If he doesn't make that tackle. So it's, that's the kind of stuff that he just, it's killer for the team. And he's got to get that kind of both. It's both for him. And I really hope to coming into year three, it would look a lot better and it, it hasn't. It just hasn't looked better. Right. You're, you're dead on with that one. It, we saw that like in the nosebleeds. Like, yeah. Why the hell? Why? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it is what it is. He, he needs to get back healthy. Let's see what he, he can do when he gets back on the field. Mm-hmm. You agree with the safety point, though? I mean, they talk up Mike Edwards nonstop. Oh, he's a ball hawk. He's a playmaker. Play him. Don't get, <laughs> yeah, don't put him on the damn field. So let's see. Um, yeah, so that's the biggest thing. Winfield, I love Winfield. I think he's on the brink of 
having a great season. They just need to give them opportunities where the ball's floating in the air. That, that's uh, the other thing. Winfield, yeah. yes, I agree with you. He's a baller, but like put him near the ball then. Like he can't be playing free safety in a single high scheme all the time if you want him to make an impact. Like you got to put Edwards back there. Like Edwards yeah. can play free safety. You got to trust him there and you got to let Winfield make more plays around the line of scrimmage if you want to get the most out of his skill set. Not always. Like he could play free safety a lot still. He could, you could play too high a lot still with it. You know, that you can do all that stuff, but. I just don't think you're going to get the most out of him if you don't move him closer to the ball. Uh, he makes impact plays when he's around the ball uh, and when he's closer to the line of scrimmage and you have a guy in Edwards who can play free safety, I just think you need to do some stuff with figuring that out because it could be a real win for them if they can figure out roles for all the three of those guys that could put them on the field at the same time. And it's crazy. like You, you didn't really hear his name much, but look, he still had five tackles, three assists. Antoine Winfield. I mean, the dude's mm-hmm. all over the place. Put him close to the ball. It's, he's going to get sacks, tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. He's shown he can do it. Just I don't know what they were doing schem- schematically this game. Just don't get it. Uh, but also, big question. A lot of people were saying this in the chat. Because of our cornerback position. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Ah, oh, there we go. Why are we bringing in guys that got caught from training camp instead of guys like Richard Sherman? I know he's got some age, some tread on him, but... This is a question in the chat. It's been like three or four other people said this. So what is your take on this? Uh, getting guys like Richard Sherman. He's a schematic fit, but it's you're taking on a lot at this point with Sherman. Remember the last time he was in the news, there's just personal stuff going on with him. And I have no idea where he's at. And with uh, that's going to matter a lot to the Bucs. Um, you know, that stuff's going to be really important and I can't speak to it. So that certainly makes sense why they wouldn't have signed him at this point. Uh, also, I don't know about his he's healthy what kind of shape he's in i don't know anything about that's that stuff with him we haven't heard anything with richard sermon signing anywhere so that's usually an indicator that for now at least he seems to be a little bit out of the loop uh, in that regard so there's not a lot of good corners just kind of sitting out there um i think they expect murphy bunning to be back after a few weeks so we'll see what happens uh pierre desir is a good signing though for the practice squad i mean that's a guy who's played a lot he fits the scheme he's been at his best he was an indie for years when they ran tons of zone he's at his best in his own scheme and but he has the size to play a little man when he needs to. Um, you don't want to leave him on an island, but you know he's right now. He's your what fifth corner, sixth corner, or whatever. So I mean, you're you're talking about that level of expectation, but that's a guy with starting experience that's going to be on your practice squad. Uh, that's that played pretty solid, you know, in his career, you know, and and he's a good dude too, and he's hard worker, um, good scheme fit. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you need Ross Cockrell to be able to play well enough in certain matchups. The hard part is the matchups. Like that's the, always been the hard thing for Ross Cockrell. You know, he's a good, solid player, but he just can't do everything and can't cover everybody. You, so you've got to scheme around that, help him. Biggest thing for the Bucks: play two high safeties, keep everything in front of you. You'll make enough plays. You'll make enough plays with the pass rush if you do play that way. Like not everybody is going to scheme this thing up like Dallas did. Kellen Moore's a beast. Dak's a beast. You're not getting that against Atlanta, and for example, in my you might get it against the Rams, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but you're not getting that most weeks, and so you know you're cruising through the regular season. Just dare teams to run the ball on you. You've been the number one run defense in the league for the last two seasons. Teams aren't going to come out trying to run the ball on you. You have one of the best offenses in the league, maybe the best. Teams are going to come out trying to throw on you because they need to score. The Bucks were already the most passed on team in neutral situations last season uh, of any other team in the league. It wasn't even close because teams knew running against them is pointless. So respond and dare them to run against you. And maybe they can do it with another guy out of the box if you move a safety back, but I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be able to do it well enough, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it well enough to beat 
the box. And that's the, at the end of the day, if you're seventh in run defense, but you improved in pass defense and you're 15 and two, you did the right thing. You know, at the end of the day, that number one ranking doesn't matter as much if you've become a more efficient and more dangerous defense or a defense that takes away the offense's number one game plan, which everybody's going to come out trying to throw it on the boxes. Almost everybody. I don't know what some of these coach te- poorly coached teams. I don't know. We'll see what Atlanta tries to do. <laughs> Ones that have uh, what's it called? Uh, coaches get fired. Black Monday, right? Yeah, yeah. But those are the teams that will try and run against us. Right. It's, I agree with you. Schematically, yeah, just put two high deep safeties. It's just not going to happen. It's it proven it over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why. I just that's I guess they're the way they play defense. Uh, but still, like like you just said. I trust Levante, Dave, and Devin White to fill those gaps that are there because your front four or five guys can actually stand up everyone. If if, if it gets past them, Levante and David and Devin White should be there. If not, Winfield can fly to the ball. So trust your guys. Let them play to their best ability. I fully agree with all that sentiment, but yeah, the Buccaneers are going to do what the Buccaneers do. And mm-hmm. I, it's Bucks always beat Bucks. That's literally the only thing that will be this season. It's the Buccaneers cough it up or they just play dumb football defensively. I mean, they can beat anyone, let's be honest. Right. And the the best part is Bulls is so good at dialing up pressure that you saw how close they got all night against Dallas. You know, but Dallas had this great scheme to counteract it and great players, obviously, great weapons. Too, they're too deep at running back. They're they've got pass catching tight ends. You can't block at all, but pass catching tight ends, and then they're they're you know three or four deep at wide receiver. So I mean one of the best quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion, one of the best play callers in the league. Not every team's going to have all that. So, you know, Bulls being able to dial up pressure the way that he does is going to swing a lot of games when you can score points like they can. Um, so there's still so many things working in their favor. I'm not getting stressed out about anything just yet. To me, the biggest question mark is is not Bulls or the scheme at this point. You know, that I've I've have enough faith that he can figure things out and he calls it right in the in the red areas, and that's important. The, the big thing for me is the, the CB2 spot and, and what happens with that spot. And not even short term, if Jamal Dean struggles, they should still be able to win. I mean, they're, you know, if, but when Murphy Bunting comes back, it, what kind of player is he going to be? Like, this is, we're getting into crunch time for him. Like, year three is big. Year three is big for Jamal Dean. You know, if those guys don't improve the way that they play, the Bucks will be drafting or, or signing to replace them this offseason. Uh, probably it'll mean a payday for Carlton Davis, which will be a good thing. But they will need to to prioritize replacing those guys um, because that will be their position of weakness really going into the offseason. It's crazy. They put a lot of value in those high draft picks too. Two second round picks. That's mm-hmm. you want that to pan out, but if it's not doing it, you got to kind of admit defeat and kind of move forward. And it might that's- still. I mean, they're going to hang on to Sean Murphy Bunting all the way for sure. I think because they just love him and they think his potential's through the roof. Uh, Jamal Dean. We'll see what happens. I mean, I mean, they'll, again, they'll probably be on the same on the team. It'll just be. Hey, we're bringing another guy to compete. I still think, I mean, obviously they were good draft picks, to be honest. Like, you, where you got Dean and what you've gotten out of him is a late third, right? Like, that, you know, I mean, I still think he's, I still think he's probably played up to that, you know, to some degree. I mean, he, it's just, can he be more? Can he be, can he be better than what he is right now? Can he rise kind of above the inconsistencies? And we'll see. I mean, he didn't give up huge plays other than the fourth down conversion, or that was a third down. I forget conversion where he overran the tackle that was really the issue there not in coverage so um yeah he's we'll see kind of what happens i'm I'm not writing anybody off yet um i think they've done a good job getting those guys to where they're at but they've got to play better moving forward yeah, it was one game against elite receivers like 
two yeah. top ten receivers pretty much. If if and they don't drop the ball, it looks even more crazy though. Like right. that's get seems even more insane offensively for the Cowboys. Mm. But uh let's move over to the last and final topic, which again, plus mentioned this as the cold sore of the team. The special teams played special in this game. Bradley Pinion, elite, almost fifty yard average on his punts. Uh Jalen Mickens, great on kickoff returns. A good punt return that got called back because of a holding. And then clutch kicking from Ryan Suckup wins the game. I know it's short, but still, it's clutch. Like we were talking about headspace. You got to be able to have a strong mm-hmm. mental game to hit that. He hits it, even though I was freaking heart pounding on my chest. <laughs> but uh, waiting for that timeout, too, at the end. But still, everyone, special teams played amazing, even though all last season and preseason looked like trash. So yeah, what do you think about our special teams? Really good start. Really encouraging. You know, the best part is they didn't, I don't think they allowed a kickoff return all night because Pinion put the ball through the back of the end zone. That's what they're really, truly bad at is kick return coverage, but Pinion hardly ever leaves that up to chance. And so that's great. Pinion's such a good player. Just a really good punter. He's a great team guy. Everybody really respects him, I think. I mean, he's, um, yeah, he just, he's the kind of guy that everybody likes to play with and everybody, nobody wants to talk about the punter, but not many punters are doing kickoff duties too. And he's amazing at that. And so he's just a really valuable player for the box. Um, so yeah, great start for him. Suck up. He do, he do what he do. You know, that's, he's a baller. No question about it. He's got his head on right, right now. And so you hope that that continues for him as a kicker, obviously Mickens is just a great story, man. I mean, I just think he's, everybody loves him in the locker room. He's so competitive. He's so aggressive. He's so, he believes in himself so much. Um, and he was just a good player last year for them. He didn't muff any kicks, didn't fumble any kicks. That was huge. Uh, he understands, not trying to do too much. He reads things right. His timing is good. Uh, he's just kind of a – he's exactly what this team needs, you know, maximize the opportunities that he gets. He's not going to try and do too much, get the ball to 12, get the ball to the offense. That's his thing. He said it to Jalen Darden over and over again in camp, don't try and be a hero as a return guy, like, so, yeah, he's the right choice. I'm glad that the coaching staff made the right choice by bringing him up and making Jalen Darden inactive. I'm excited about the future for Jalen Darden. That does not need to be a priority for the Bucks right now. Right now the priority is winning football games, and Jaden Mickens gives him a better chance to do that. And, by the way, really good performance by him as a gunner too. You know, really yeah. encouraging performance by him as a gunner. Um, I don't know how many tackles he'll make, but – He's going to beat the hell out of those vices. Like he is just physical and aggressive and he gets through those guys and they might rough him up once or twice, but he never stops coming. And um, he's, he's the kind of guy you want to play with and suit up with. I think he brings an energy that that group really, really loves. I think so. He's, he's been nice indeed. Delaney's kind of the same way. I mean, another guy, they just, man, he talk about a guy who's earned it and he beat the vice a couple times on punt as a gunner. So those are the two gunners, and you're obviously trying to replace Ryan Smith, and Jamel Dean was the other gunner for most of last season. And so uh, the bar's not super high there, but I think that they those guys can be kind of can be good, effective gunners for them. They were really good the other night. thought they did an outstanding job. And so if that can continue, the punt coverage will really be, be improved as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good takes. I love Mickens' attitude. Yeah, guys in the chat, Mickens' attitude is a beast mode. Love the guy. It's like always chirping, always talking, throwing the ball at someone, throwing towards the ref, but at a player. It's kind of funny to see it. But, I mean, other than that, there's nothing you can say bad about special teams. I mean, mm. Bradley probably the biggest freaking uh, punter in the league, 6'5", 230. 
humongous. But I mean, other than that, awesome. And then, yeah, we had to get a new long snapper. Let's touch on that really quick before we head on out. Yeah. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> I know what he's with Jacksonville, right? So, yeah. yeah. I, Team- I, I will say that throwing off the, the chemistry, like that's just – the biggest thing, like the timing, the chemistry, you know, now he's with two pros in pinion and suck up. So they will, they will not leave details to chance. Like a younger player might, that is a really positive part of this. You know, even if they had a good kicker who was young or good punter was young, they might not feel like, Hey, I'm going to tell this guy, this, 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 and this, and go over every little thing. But because pinion and suck up have been around so long, they will really harp on those. They'll harp on every little thing, I think. So that part of it's good. Uh, obviously, Armstrong's going to harp on it. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Backup long snappers kind of hopefully they don't derail things. That's what you're hoping. But the timing, yeah, that's all going to be. And hopefully they have a week to, to figure it out before they have to really nail down the deep. Hopefully Atlanta's not close enough that, that, that those kicks really matter as much as they would the week after in the Rams game. Better not. Let's be honest. I yeah. mean, that, that one should be more of a let's just make sure we win this easy. But you never know. It's the NFL. I mean, mm. look against the Eagles. We should, just to be honest. But uh, other than that, guys, we hit the hour. I'm glad you guys stayed for the for the show and actually tolerated us talking for this long. Uh, but John, let them know where they can find your work. Let, let us know what you're going to be doing all season and where they can find you. Yeah, you can find my work over at pewterreport.com and on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft. That's Peter Reports where my articles go up, and then you can watch the Peter Report podcast, obviously, and you'll see me over there a bunch of times a week. And especially on game days, we do like a live stream, and we've been going right through the game, like an in-game live stream. We've been talking comments, live reactions, and analysis during the game. That's been really, really fun. Uh, I've had a good time doing that, and had a great attendance and interaction with fans. So we'll be doing that again Sunday against Atlanta. We'll be live uh, probably an hour before kickoff. And then throughout the game, uh, we'll be offering uh, reactions and analysis of things as they happen throughout the game. So yeah, that's where you can find all my work over there with the Peter report crew. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, John. It was awesome time. Special, special guest. (laughs) Absolutely, dude. And, And thank you for having me. You guys do awesome work with this channel. I've been watching basically since, Computer report hired me to try and get a feel for the lay of the land and who's yeah. doing what and wh- who's doing com- creative stuff. And I appreciate the fact that you guys are just kind of taking initiative and recognized a void and done creative content and pushed yourself probably out of comfort zones to try new stuff and to be innovative in a field where that really should be respected and should be honored. So I definitely appreciate what you guys have done and built this channel into. And uh, I was really a pleasure for me to be on here with you guys talking about all this stuff. That's a fun time to be covering the bucks and you guys are doing a great job of it. Oh, thank you, John. That actually Appreciate means it. a lot coming for me because I, I, I watch or read up on all your breakdowns all the time. So that's actually pretty cool. No, for that, sure. I mean it. <laughs> thank you. Well, hopefully we can do this again yep. later date. Hopefully another big, big bucks win, maybe playoff run. Let's see. Well, on that you. guys, thanks for being part of the show. And with that until next Monday. Peace.